Thanks for joining us today. We love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life. So we encourage you to share your story with us at info at Also, if God is using this ministry to impact you, we want to encourage you to partner with us financially. You can do that online at fellowshipgj.com and pick the giving option that works best for you and help us continue to bring the message of Christ to our community and beyond. Again, thanks for joining us and enjoy today's message. Ladies, good morning. What has shaped you into the woman you are today? What's been the greatest influence in your life? Has there been another woman, an older woman that mentored you, maybe a Bible study? Or some of you, it was a song you heard a long time ago, or um, it was a book that you read. Maybe it was a church, maybe a pastor, maybe somebody you heard on television. But when you think about the woman that you are today, what helped shape you into that person? Men, what about you? Was it a good father or maybe the lack of one? Maybe a life experience or a men's group or a church, a pastor, somebody that has spoken into your life or maybe something that you experienced, something that happened to you and all of a sudden everything changed. Well, for me, it was this story. The one you're about to hear in 2 Samuel chapter 30. There's been a lot of things that have helped develop me over the years, but there is this one story out of the Old Testament, I'm telling you, I have gone to it time and time again in my mind. I have let myself go there and say, well, what would David do in this situation? Or what, would, uh, uh, what, what do I need to do when it comes to being able to regain? And any time I would lose something, my immediate thought was, it's not lost, I can get it back. The message today, <laughs> Project Recovery. Let's dive right into the story. First of all, in chapter 29, David and his men, they're establishing David's kingdom. You have to understand, Saul and Jonathan are still alive. They die in chapter 31. In chapter 29, David and his men go to be loyal to another king that's in the area to help join their armies in battling against enemy territory that they were living in. David and his men established their home. There were 600 of those men. They came with their wives or children. They're living in a town called Ziglag. So the men leave. The wives and the children stay there. When they are with this other king in chapter 29, the king's men were worried about David because his men were so fierce and, and uh, thought that maybe they would even ambush the men that they were fighting with. So they didn't trust them. They told the king to to go home, or to have David and his men go home. So, so these men were out, and they're, they're, they're doing what they thought they were supposed to do, what God wanted them to do. But all of a sudden, that king tells David, we don't need you. We want you to go home. And so David's men were a little bit upset about it. They decide to go home. Here comes chapter 30. Here it is, three days later, to be able to get back to their wives and their children. When David and his men arrived home at their town of Ziglag, they found that the Amalekites, these evil, wicked men of Amalek, had made a raid into the Negev, the country, the town in which Ziglag was, and Ziglag, the town where David's families were. And they had crushed Ziglag, and they burned it to the ground. And they had carried off the women, the children, and everyone else, but without killing anyone. When David and his men saw the ruins and realized what had happened to their families, they wept until they could weep no more. David's two wives were among those who were captured. 
And David was now in great danger because all the men were very bitter about losing their sons and daughters. And they began to talk about stoning him. Well, first of all, let me tell you that these were men. These were men's men. These were fierce warriors, courageous, courageous men who were taught to be strong and taught to fight as a, as a small child. And the Bible says they wept. They wept. Their women and their children were gone. They had no idea if they were dead or they were alive. We, they don't know what we know in the scripture. We were told that they didn't kill anybody, but they weren't, they weren't told that. They could imagine the worst. And the Bible says that they went from being victors to all of a sudden being messed up. Not sure if they'd ever gain it back, completely defeated. Well, let me just say this to all of you women that are, that are, that are um, uh, single. Matter of fact, if you are a single woman, very quickly, just raise your hand. Raise your hand. Put it back down. Find a courageous man. Find a man of courage. Well, Jimmy is six foot, five, six foot two and fine. Yeah, but he has no spine. And abs and triceps and biceps work when you're 17. They don't matter when you're 35. You know what matters when you're 35? That you have a courageous man. You have a man that will fight for you. You have a man that will endure. You have a man that will go out and do what he's got to do, whatever that is he's got to do, to be able to provide for you and take care of you as his wife. These were men's men. Something brought them to their knees. And it was a strategy of the enemy. Now, if you are going to understand how to recover that which the enemy has taken away from you, and let me just help you discover what that is for a moment. Have you ever been happier than what you are right now? Who took that joy away? Have you ever been more secure about your future than what you are right now? Who robbed you of that? If your marriage has ever been closer, if your family has ever been tighter, if you've ever prospered more with more income and a better job than what you have right now, please tell me, who took it from you? Well, then you need to get it back. And if you're going to get it back, there are certain things that you need to understand. Here's one of the things you need, you need to understand the strategies of the enemy. And the first strategy of the enemy is to divide. This is what happened in this particular story. They he, the enemy put the wives over here and put the husbands over there. Did he not? The wives and children were over here and the husbands were over there. Jesus even said this in Mark chapter 3, verse 25. If a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. It doesn't matter what your intentions are or how many counselors you go and see. If that house is divided, that house cannot stand. And the power knows that the unity, the, there is unity, there's power in unity. And the enemy understands that. Therefore, the enemy is going to strategically come against it and try to divide it. Whether that is in a home, whether that's in a church, whether that's in your workplace, or whether that's in our country. Divide and conquer, and the enemy knows it well. Die vision two visions. Two visions in a home, two visions in a church, two visions in a workplace, two visions in a country, and it weakens all of them. Well, David's men start to blame David because of the, that causes division even now among the men, and that leads to defeat. They then go to being defeated. He became defeated because the of the division that had taken place. Now all of a sudden, they're not together, they're not unified. They've always had wins in the past, but they've always had wins together, which led to the third one, discouragement. 
Discouragement simply means a loss of courage. It's the final nail in the coffin. And this is what makes a mighty man act like a weak man. And it means you lost your courage. It, it doesn't mean you didn't have it. Matter of fact, at one time you did have courage, but now you lost it. At any time, discouragement hits your family, hits your work, hits your church, hits our country. It's never from God. And it's never really caused by somebody else around you that you can fix blame on. It is always brought into your life by Satan. So take a look at verse 6. See what David does. All of a sudden, let me give you the picture. They just got back. Everything's burned. They have nothing left. All their investments have been taken. Food's gone. Cattle gone. Everything gone. Family gone. Clothes gone. Nothing left. And they're sitting there looking at smoke. David's men decide... You're the problem. It was your idea for us to go join that army. They didn't even want us when we got there. Three days coming back and the Amalekites came in and took it all. We could have been here. We could have defended our wives. We could have defended our kids. It was your idea. It's your fault. And the Bible says David found strength in the Lord his God. NIV version says this, David encouraged himself in the Lord. Then he said to Abiathar the priest, bring me the ephod. So Abiathar brought it, and David asked of the Lord, should I chase after this band of raiders? Will I catch them? And the Lord told him, yes, go after them. You surely will recover everything that was taken from you. Well, first thing I want you to do is understand what an ephod was. David, of course, was not only was he anointed to be a king, but he was also a priest, as you and I are priests in the family of God. And the Bible says that David got up and he put on a vest. An ephod was a vest that a priest would wear. It was made of fine linen, but it also had some metal on the front. It had some metal on the back. And it was a picture of the fact that David was about to have a meeting with God. So, so, so listen very carefully. When you are going to get back and recover everything that God has ever taken to you, the most important thing that you will ever do is meet with God. And you had better be better at meeting with God than you are at meeting with people. So let me ask you a question. How much time do you meet with people? How many of you are a little bit worn out with people? When do you meet with God? Because meeting with the people would have got David stoned. He wasn't going to talk his way out of this. The wives and kids were gone. David was about to prepare for the most important meeting of his life. So he gets up, and watch what he does in the preparation of this meeting. He changes the atmosphere of the room. Everybody's down. Everybody's depressed. Everybody's discouraged. And David gets up, and he puts on a vest. And this is what his men did. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. The warrior just got up. The warrior's about to have a business meeting with God. Uh-oh. And then David did what every one of us has got to do. David asked God the right questions. Take a look at it. David asked God the right question. He said, will you give me permission to go and get our stuff back? Because David knew, God, if I have permission, then I'll have everything else. 
I asked your permission to buy this house. Can I now have your permission to sell it? I asked your permission to have this job. Can I now have your permission to prosper on this job? Can I have your permission to date this person? Can I have your permission to marry this person? Because here's what David knew. If he had God's permission for it, then he would have everything he needed to be able to accomplish. With God's permission comes his provision. So let me ask you a question. Are you asking his permission? Uh, Father, can I get your permission to prosper? Permission to prosper, please. Uh, permission to prosper more, please. Permission to be the top salesman in this company, please. Permission to own this company, please. Permission to build a new house, please. Permission to trade my wife's radio car for a brand new car, please. Who are you talking to about that? Well, I mentioned it to a guy at work. How did that go? David asked the right question. You know what he didn't ask? He didn't ask, why did this happen? Because David knew why it happened. It happened because he was living in enemy territory. And when you're living in enemy territory, you expect the enemy to do what the enemy does. And what does the enemy do? Well, let's read it. John 10.10, Jesus tells us, everybody together, the thief's purpose is to what? Keep going. Okay, let's just focus on the first part. The thief's purpose is to what? It's to what? So the thief does what? He steals from you. Do you think he's good at it? Well, he's been doing it forever. So is it safe for me to say the thief's job is to steal? Am I right? So there's no reason for you to ask the question, why did this happen? It happened because the thief, the enemy, is just doing his job. Good for you. That's what he does. Now it's time for me to do mine. And you know what my job is? Anybody want to guess? Go get it back. That's my job. Thank you very much. The thief is doing his job. Now it's time to do mine. He steals my stuff. I go get my stuff back. I don't sit. I don't wait. I get permission from my heavenly father who gave it to me in the first place. God, what do you want me to do? Can I go recover what the enemy has taken from me? Can I recover the joy in this marriage that the enemy took 10 years ago and have it back bitterer and better than it's ever been? Can I have more money coming into my household than I've ever had in the past? Can I date a person that I have never been able to date in the past? A godly, courageous man, a woman of God. Can I have that in my, give me permission. And with that permission comes incredible stability. I'm no longer insecure. <laughs> I'm not looking for anybody else's permission or any of the men to even agree with me. If you said I can do it, they can come or they don't have to come I'm going after it. But too many times as Christians, we just roll over and play dead. Well, the enemy took my marriage away. I guess it's gone. Well, there goes that job. I guess I'll never have another one like it. There goes my reputation. Or those people. And, and there's no fight in us. 
But this is, this is what I want you to see. The enemy's job is to do what the enemy did to you. Your job, ladies and gentlemen, is to go and get it back. And if you haven't, you're just not doing your job. That's not God's fault. That's not the enemy's fault. It's your fault. Because you let the enemy get into your head. Not just take away what you had, but take away your courage. He took away what you did have, your, your courage. Wow. So David, after permission, I wanna, let, me just, let me say it to you very quickly, and I want you to see it. Once he got permission, watch, then came connection, then came direction, then came strength, then came endurance, then came encouragement, then came celebration, then came miracle results, and then came everything back and then some. Now, what was the most important thing I said in that whole permission? <laughs> That's all he had. Where'd that permission come from, by the way? <sighs> I wonder when we could ever meet with God and get his permission. So David and his 600 men set out, and they came to the brook Bezor. But 200 of the men were too exhausted to cross the brook. Can I talk to the men in here for a minute? Your wife and your kids have just been taken by evil, wicked men with no morality. You have no idea what they're doing to them. And you're too tired to go any further. Now, guys, I've been tired in my life. I've been beat up, beat down. I've been exhausted. <clears throat> but how tired do you have to be to not go a little bit further to rescue your wife and your kids? You say, can you be that tired? Yeah, you can. You can. So 200 of these warriors, I can't go any further. And David says, then stay here and watch the equipment. Don't leave. Don't run off. Watch the equipment. They lightened the loads, gave the rusty old swords and shovels or whatever else they had. They left it there with the men. And the Bible says 400 of them, 400 of them went on. And along with the way they found an Egyptian man, oh, connection. So he led them, he led David to them, direction. They found the Amalekites spread out across the fields, eating and drinking and dancing with joy because of the vast amount of plunder they had taken from the Philistines. Was David and his men Philistines? No, they were not. So watch where this is going. They had raided several other cities. Oh, gosh, watch what I'm fixing to tell you. They had raided and plundered several other cities. They had fought 10 wars, 15 wars, 20 wars, and they took it all from all these other cities. And David is about to get all of it with one fight. They fought 20 wars. David's going to fight one and take it all. Do you have one fight in you? I'm not asking if you got 20. 
I'm asking if you just got one left. Just one. Notice what he says. The Philistines have crossed the land of Judah, and David and his men rushed in. Man, there's not even a battle plan here. It's like, there they are, get them. <laughs> That's it. No strategy. No, you flank them from the left. You flank them from the right. These men were absolutely out of their mind in rage. There they are, get them. So the Bible says they rushed in among them and they slaughtered them throughout the night and the entire next day until evening. What? Anybody know how many minutes are in a round of a professional boxing round? Anybody know? Hold your fingers up if you know. Three, normally 12 rounds, three minutes, one minute rest. Anybody know in a professional MMA fight, three rounds, how many minutes? Do you know why it's five? Because they can't go six. And in the five, the best of the best, the most top-shaped athletes on, in our land, in five minutes, what are they doing? They're hanging on each other. Break them up, and they're down on the ground. Then I stand back up, and they're hanging on each other again. In five minutes, they fought all day, all night, and into the next day. Miracle, strength, and endurance. Came with what? Permission. Permission. Not Gold's Gym. Permission. Now the Amalekites escaped except 400 men. You only, David only had 400 men went in. They let 400 young men get away on camels. So what were the odds? And David got everything back from the Amalekites had taken. He also rescued his two wives. That's a bad man right there. That's a bad man, ladies. Nothing is missing, small or great, son or daughter, nor anything else that had been taken. David brought everything back. Then David returned to the brook Bezor, met up with the 200 men that had been left behind because they were too exhausted to go with them. They went out to meet David and his men, and David greeted them joyfully. But some evil troublemakers among David's men, and by the way, there are always going to be evil troublemakers in your life, even those who fight and do life alongside of you. They didn't go with us. They said they didn't go with us, so they can't have any of the plunder that we recovered. Give them their wives and their children and tell them to be gone. But David said, no. <laughs> no, my brothers, no. Don't be selfish with what the Lord has given us. He's kept us safe and helped us defeat this band of raiders and attacked us. Who will listen to you talk like this? In other words, nobody's going to hear you. Shut up. Shut up. Yeah, I know you fought with me. Okay, what's coming out of your mouth right now? Bad advice, shut it. Don't speak that into me. That's not happening here. And can I tell you why David had no trouble doing that? David was not insecure. And they needed him more than he needed them. Can I tell you a really great position to have in this life? Don't need people more than people need you. That is an insecure person who needs people more than others need you. Be the person who they need. But don't need them. Need God. I don't need any permission from God. That's it. You want on board? Get on board. But I've got permission. 
I got everything else that I need. Check this out. Oh, my gosh. He said, we share and we share alike those who battle, who go to battle, and those who guard the equipment. Two more points. Number one, confront and correct bad advice. Confront and correct bad advice. How many of you have a problem with confrontation? Would you raise your hand? Yeah, a little bit of a problem with confrontation. Okay. It's because you make too big a deal out of it. Confrontation is not a hard thing to have. You don't have to pick your battle. It doesn't have to be a war. If you're a secure person, you correct on the fly. People are going to give you bad advice. Why are you going to Fellowship Church? Why are you giving your money down there? Shut up. You broke, disgusting person. Shut it. I'm not listening to you. If somebody, get, if somebody says something to you at work and they belittle you and they beat you down at work, just go out to go out to Dos Hombres out in the Redlands and just let the meeting go like this. Hey, you know what? I'll have a couple of tacos. Can I have a couple of tacos? Leave the tomatoes off those tacos if you don't mind. And Can I have some refried beans on the side? That would be nice. And don't you ever say to me again what you said to me this morning. And I'm going to need a little bit of guacamole with that. Can I have some guacamole with that? You don't make a big deal out of that. David didn't go, oh, no, i got to have a board meeting and find out how to address this problem. David said, shut up. Nobody's going to listen to you, and that's bad advice. You confront and you correct bad advice. Because you know what everybody around you has? Advice. And you know what over 50% of it is? Bad. So you don't let it leak into you. What do you do? You confront it and you correct it. And you do it on the fly. It's simple for a secure person. And then here's the last one. Oh, my gosh. Look at this. There was a group of men that were tired and they couldn't go any further. David gave them an assignment to watch the, watch the equipment. Here's number four. Stay in the fight. Stay in the fight. Stay in the fight. Don't go rogue. Stay with your men. Stay with your church family. Stay in the fight. The easiest thing for you to do when the enemy hits your home, I'm done with church. I'm done with that small group. I'm tired. I'm out. I don't want to be held accountable right now because I want to dive into some escapism forms of behavior. And you go rogue. And if you go rogue, you will never get it back. Never. Stay with your church. Keep your small group attached to the mama, the church. Keep yourself attached to church. Don't go rogue. And then here's the second one I want you to see. Don't. Look at this. Look at this. Don't stay and sit in the rubble of what you lost. Don't stay and sit in the rubble of what you lost. I, uh, <clears throat> Father, let me know. I, uh, <clears throat> I pray for you guys 
a lot. All our pastors, all our staff. And just forget the clock for a minute and hang in here with me for a second. One of the blessings that I pray over you is financial blessings. I ask God to bless you. I ask God to meet your needs. I ask God to prosper you because I know the kind of headaches and the hassle uh, that can hit your life uh, if you don't have enough money. And, and really, just honestly, we, keep it real with me for a moment. And just let me know, if money is a stressor for you, would you raise your hand real quick? Put, raise it up, put it down. Okay, cool. All right, listen. There is a large percentage of people in every church who's not living a blessed, prosperous life. They're not. And there is a large percentage in this service who you, listen to me, you're not living a blessed and a prosperous life. And I hear people say this. They'll say, if I was better off financially, I would tithe. And as tithers will tell you, we're better off financially because we tithe. So I'm begging you to let me help you right now. I'm begging you. The enemy steals. Would you say that, please? The enemy steals. God's kids came to him one time and said, we're not prospering. We're not being successful. Things aren't going very well for us. And God said in Malachi, look at it. I, the Lord, do not change. So no matter what you think, no matter what you want to excuse, call it Old Testament, call it New Testament, I'm not changing on what I'm about to tell you. He said, ever since the time of your ancestors, you've turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. But you ask, how are we to return then? God says, would a mere mortal rob me? Yeah, you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you in tithes and in offerings? You are under a curse. Who is under a curse? God's kids? Who put them there? Who put the curse on them? God did. Whoa. Are you telling me that the Heavenly Father who wants to bless me has cursed me? And that's why I'm not prospering? Yes. He said, you're under a curse. Why? Robbing me of what? Tithes and offerings. And then he says, bring the whole tithe. Bring the whole tithe. And watch what's going to happen. Read this. Never do to God what the enemy does to you. Give me the next one. Don't put yourself in an adversarial role with your generous heavenly father. Remind me again what the enemy does. When you don't tithe and you don't give offerings, you are doing to God what the enemy does to you. And God says, kids, hey kids, 
your life's going to suck. You're not going to act like the enemy acts to you, to me. Now, I promise you, I will forever pray for you. I'll ever ask, I will forever ask God to bless you, meet every need that you have in your life, and give you more income. I will forever do that. But, 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 none of that praying is going to take the curse off of you. None of it. The only way you're ever going to break that curse is bring the tithe. Bring it. Would you bow your heads with me for a minute? Every head bowed and every eye closed. We're in the fourth quarter of this year. The fourth quarter. Imagine, if you will, what your life would look like if you tithe for the fourth quarter and let God open up a floodgate on you. You will never put yourself in an adversarial role, the role of being a robber, the role of being a thief, and have God's blessings on your life. He says you can return and everything can be okay. Bring the tithe. Bring it. And everything changes. When those men got to a place where they couldn't go any further, David came back and they got everything that the young warriors got and all they had to do was guard the equipment. Every man in here over 50, will you look at me? Every man in here over 50, look at me. Are y'all tired yet? <laughs> Are y'all tired? Do you want to receive blessings like you've never received them in the past? You want me to tell you how? You support and encourage Younger warriors. Can you just sit on the ground and look at a shovel? Can you sit on the ground and look at a rusty sword? If you can just do that, can you change the atmosphere in this room with worship? Can you lay your hands on the shoulder of a younger man and pray for him? See, it's not much, but you're still in the war. Take a look at this, everybody on the side screen now. Everybody say it. All you have to do to win is just stay in the fight. Don't sit in the rubble of what you lost. Don't go rogue. Just stay in the fight. I'm tired right now. But all I can do is give you a glass of cold water. And do you know what I get for not being the one on the front line? for being the one who's taken on an assignment of staying with the equipment. You know what I get? Everything. And so will you. Thanks for listening to this week's message at Fellowship Church. If you have not made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, I want to give you an opportunity to do that right now. The Bible says in the book of Romans, chapter 10, verse 9, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. In fact, you can do that right now. I want to encourage you to pray this prayer with me if you haven't already done so. Dear Jesus, I am a sinner and I need forgiveness. Please forgive me of my sins. 
I believe that you are the Lord and that you died on the cross for my sins and that you rose again. And thank you, God, for that fact. I ask that you now be my savior to guide my life and give me a home forever in heaven. And God, I ask you this in the precious name of your son, Jesus Christ, amen. If you prayed this prayer for the first time, or if you need prayer for any reason, we would love to hear from you. You can contact us at 970-245-PRAY or on the web at prayer at fellowshipgj.com. Thanks again, and we hope to see you next week.